Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. So uh, several years ago, Lauren and I were dead asleep in the middle of the night, and we woke up to this really loud explosion. And it was quite rattling, took us straight out of deep sleep into wide awake. And so I, I could tell from the sound that it was towards the back of our house. And so I popped out of bed, stepped out of our, our uh, bedroom door, and looked towards the back of our house to see an incredible glow in the back of our house. And I thought, oh no, our house is on fire. Well, the closer I got, I realized it wasn't our house, it was behind our house. And so I looked through the back windows and, and I saw my neighbor's garage engulfed in flames. The explosion was the sound of the first of four tires blowing up. Have you ever heard that sound? It's pretty loud and pretty violent sounding. So we throw some clothes on and we go outside. At this time, it's probably 4.30 or maybe 5 in the morning. And we know this, that it's our, our neighbor, uh, Polly, whose, whose garage is on fire. Polly was in her mid-80s at the time, and uh, she had just moved across the street or across the alley into that house, and she had all of, we knew, all of her Christmas decorations for, you know, probably 50 or 60 years worth of Christmas decorations and life in that detached garage. And so, um, the fire department shows up, and then the neighbors, as the sun begins to go up, the neighbors begin to gather, and it was uh, an odd moment, almost like a neighborhood bonfire in some ways, like everybody's just gathered around the fire. The problem was is that it wasn't something to be a spectator for, because there was Polly watching 80-something years of memories burn to the ground her car, her garage, so much of what she had. Now, the, the fire department, they were able to put out the fire before uh, it got to her house. Um, but there was an interesting sight as Lauren and I were, were watching and kind of taking in the moment. It was like Polly was standing at the edge of her driveway by herself, and then all the other neighbors kind of watching from a distance. And I looked at Lauren and said, hey, why don't you go put your arm around her? So Lauren walks up to Polly, puts her arm around her. Polly then turns in and just starts like ugly crying, like weeping. A few hours later, the neighbors are all kind of watching what's going on now. People are coming and going. And our, our other neighbors that were probably in their late 60s, lived right next door to Polly, um, came up to Lauren and said, how did you do that? I can't believe that you, I would never be able to do that. And it made me think how starved our culture is for comfort. Because practically, right, you and I, we can practically put our arm around somebody. We could practically hold somebody when they're weeping, but it's not a practical act. 
It's an emotionally vulnerable act to make yourself available to somebody in pain and for them to choose to engage you in the place of their pain. The reality is, for many of us, when life gets tough, we find ourselves like Polly standing alone. And the truth is, many of you have gone through some of the most horrific things. Loss of loved ones, physical pain, bad accidents, abuse, all sorts of things. But I think probably all of us would agree that the worst thing that we experienced in our pain was not the physical feelings that we felt, but was the aloneness in the middle of all of it. There's something that Jesus promises in the Sermon on the Mount. It's in the first section called the Beatitudes. He's talking about what the kingdom of God would be like. And he says this, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. You see, it's actually the design of God that in the kingdom of God, which is not far off, it's not simply about what happens when we get to heaven after we die, but it's actually his rule and reign in our midst. There's something of the kingdom of God that people who are hurting and mourning are supposed to be comforted. And what we find in scripture, we'll go there in a minute in 2 Corinthians chapter one, what we find is this, that God has a design that pain would actually be healed not with logic or solutions or even medicine, but with comfort. And what happens to us is that when we don't experience ultimately the comfort of God, often given through the people of God, is that our place of pain becomes a place of deep wounding that we make agreements about, that we come back to, and we find ourselves living in response to for most of our lives. It's, it's interesting, that guy that mentored me, a guy named Mike, we were talking through this stuff, and he began to explain it to me from one of his sons who's a, a PhD. He said that, that our, our lives are, are like a bandwidth, all right? Like, are, are, are like a, a wavelength inside of a bandwidth. And so a wavelength has highs and lows, and, and the highs and lows are proportional. And what, what happens is, is that when we experience pain on the bottom end, joy is on the high end, if that pain isn't met with comfort, then it actually, it, it, we reduce both our capacity for pain and our capacity for joy. So what happens is you have a horrible experience. It's actually God's design that you begin to emotionally shut down. And the reason is, is that God designed you so that you would not be opened up to re-injury in that place of vulnerability. Does that make sense? So it's like now you can get out of pain and into safety, into, into security, and it's his design that in that place of security that you would experience comfort that would relieve the depth of your pain. 
But what, what happens is, is that if we don't experience that comfort in the place of our pain, then we become permanent, permanently stunted, suppressed in our ability to experience emotion, both joy and pain. And, it, and the reason for that is, is that God wants us to experience all of him, but he wants us to do it in a wholehearted way so that we wouldn't try to, comf- to, to uh, address our place of pain that needs comfort with false stimulation and joy, which actually would cause uh, deeper re-injury. Now, here's what I learned in the early years of marriage. You see, when we first got married, I was already uh, in ministry, and we were both pretty young, and, and so I had this title of pastor, but what I found is that I was not a very good pastor to my wife. You see, what I found was that when she had pain or something difficult that she was going through, I attempted to always meet it with problem solving. (laughs) (laughs) Then can I get a better amen? (laughs) It's like, if you've got a problem, I wanna fix it, right? That's what love does. It's like, hey, if you're hurting, let me tell you why you got hurt, right? And, and so what I, what I found is that my solutions were not solving her pain, but they were increasing our distance. And I think for many of us, we've experienced life that way, right? Like when, when we're hurting, I saw this years ago. We were at some friend's house. They had a pool, slippery patio, and this uh, adult told the kid, told, not his kid, but somebody else's kid, said, don't run. What do kids do by the pool? Run, sprint, exactly. So this kid is running, slips back, busts their head open. Now, sobbing, right? What's the adult do? goes up to him and said, I told you not to do that. It doesn't help, does it? It's like, oh yeah, I'm sorry for not listening to you while I'm stuck here crying with my head hurting. It's like, that's not the way that thing works. And yet, so often what we do to people is we try to fix their pain with logic. We try to explain it away. Well, you know, if you wouldn't have done that. And what it does to people is it leaves them alone. It leaves them isolated. And it takes them from that place of emotional vulnerability, which is what we experience during pain, to being absolutely shut off. And now they take that thing, their pain, which is actually sacred, and they begin to lock it away to never deal with it again. Here's what happens to all of us when our pain isn't processed, isn't experienced with the comfort of God, we'll find false comforts. In fact, I, I, I would say that for many of us, the 
addictive tendencies that we struggle with, the habits that we're stuck in, the sin patterns that are messing with us, it's not because we're angry at God and trying to be rebellious. It's because we're hurting and we're pursuing false comfort. And so we're looking for ways to numb the pain that we're going through. And so instead of presenting it to God and to healthy people of God and experiencing the comfort of God, what we find ourselves doing is oftentimes because we've been wounded in those vulnerable experiences, we end up pursuing false comforts. And we find ourselves incredibly wounded. Now, you may think to yourself, I'm just really, really good at solving problems. And so everybody that comes to me is coming for a problem to solve. I I wanna remind you though of of this story in John chapter 11, we won't go there, I'll just tell you the story. Uh, Jesus has some friends named Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus. Jesus is a few miles away in another town and he gets word that his brother, or that their brother Lazarus is sick. And so they're begging, hey, Jesus, master, healer, savior, would you come to us and heal our brother? And Jesus says, yeah, I'll I'll come when I'm ready. A couple days go by, yeah, I'll come when I'm ready. Finally, Jesus decides to come. Pretty sure the story goes that they meet him on the way and say, hey, it's too late. Lazarus is dead. So Jesus says, hey, I'm gonna come anyways. He shows up to the house and they actually have this thing down pretty well. In first century, century uh, Israel, what they would do is they had professional mourners. So they had people that would show up for 30 days and they'd just cry with you. Pretty incredible, actually. Anybody want a professional mourner to like join them? It's like, hey, I could use somebody. And so Jesus shows up and he says, hey, let, let's go on to the grave. And when we get there, this was my favorite verse as a little kid because it's the shortest verse in the Bible, but it says so much. John 11, 35. It says, Jesus wept. Now, you know the end of the story, right? Lazarus comes out of the grave, problem solved. Jesus knew why he was going to the grave, right? He's the one that has victory over death and he's going to call Lazarus, his friend, out of the grave. But that doesn't mean that he bypasses the emotional pain of the moment. You see, sometimes our problems get solved but our pain's never addressed and we still have issues. And so Jesus enters into the pain of the moment and he weeps with them. And it's not a show. He's not teaching a sermon. He's not proving a point. He's not looking for an analogy. He's being present with his friends who are in deep pain. I'd like to suggest to you that that doesn't take a unique skill set. It doesn't take a counseling or psychology degree. It takes being present in the moment. So here's what I found in marriage, though. In marriage, what I found was that Lauren and I, we had this unique relationship. Some of you could probably relate. 
that she seemed to always have all the problems and I had all of the solutions. And it didn't work very well for either of us. You see, I was stuck in self-reliance, and so there was no way I was gonna let anybody into my world to address any sort of pain. If I had any problems, I'd just take care of them internally, and the truth is they were all in a nice little lockbox, hidden away, and I wouldn't even address it. So what I realized is that I didn't have the ability to enter into her pain. And the reason why I didn't have the ability to enter into her pain and to bring comfort was because I had never experienced comfort myself. And so I did not have it to give because the truth is you cannot give what you have not received. And so in order for me to be willing to to engage her, to connect with her, to sit with her in the middle of pain meant that I had to allow her and others into my pain to bring the very comfort of God. And sometimes we like to just pray it away in Christian culture and sometimes in American culture we just rush it away. We just try harder, we cover it up and we try to move past it. But I believe it's crucial that we choose to live John 11.35 lifestyles. That when our friends, when our spouses, when our kids are in pain, that we don't pass by that moment and say, you know what, I see the grave over there, we're just gonna go ahead and take care of this pain, but instead, we choose to enter into it. I've been studying Job a little bit as we've been talking about this series, When Life Gets Tough. And here's one of the things I realized, is that Job should have got some better friends. Because Job's friends were like, dude, your life is bad. You must have done something really wrong. Let's figure out what the problem is instead of bring comfort to the solution. Now let me say this to you. Life has consequences. All of life is not consequences. Some things, sometimes bad things happen to good people for no good reason at all. And that's a good piece of the point of Job. But sometimes people do foolish things and they win foolish prizes, right? Like it's like that was bad and, and now they're getting the consequence of what they've done. That doesn't mean that their pain is invalid. You still sit with them in the pain of the moment And if you're the right person, you say, hey, could we we talk about what got you here? But don't ever do that before you sit with them in the pain of the moment and allow them to experience the comfort of God through you. Does that make sense? You with me? Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm just going to read it in NIV, but I, I like what the Passion says on this one, so it'll be up on the screen behind me. Hey, would you all give our tech team uh, just a round of applause? These guys are incredible. 
I switched translations early morning and they said, no problem. 2 Corinthians 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 3. All praises belong to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he is the Father of tender mercy and the God of endless comfort. Say endless comfort. He always comes alongside us to comfort us in every suffering so that we can come alongside those who are in painful trial. Catch what Paul is saying there. God will show up in every painful circumstance in your life. That's a promise. Here's what I've realized is the only requirement for me to experience the presence of God in painful circumstances. I have to be vulnerable with him. I have to say, God, I'm hurting in this way. What I've realized is that many of us want God to enter into our issues, but we're not willing to be real with him. And it's not that he needs to know, because he already knows. He's awaiting the invitation to step into your life. Now, that's not a rule. He doesn't always wait, but often he does wait, and he's waiting for us to say, hey, this is where I'm hurting. I'm ready for you to enter into it. It says that he is the God of all comfort. He always comes alongside us in every suffering so that we can come alongside those who are in painful trial. So here's the way that works. Is that God wants to comfort you so that you can be a comfort for other people. And it's in his design that the solution to pain is not logic, but it's actually comfort. And so what he wants to do with everyone in pain, and by the way, everybody has it, is he wants to enter into that. And then he's not going to waste your pain, your difficulty. Instead, he's going to use that to tenderize your heart. He didn't cause it, but he's going to use it to tenderize your heart so that you can be present with other people in the midst of pain. You wanna find somebody to share your heart with, find somebody who's been beat up a bit, who's still got a tender heart. Find somebody, this may not be your first thought, find somebody that has authentic joy. Not that fake joy, there's like a religious joy, y'all know that joy? It's like everything's bubbly and good all the time and you're like, I'm not even talking to a real person right now. <laughs> but it's something else when you find somebody who you know they've been through some stuff and they still smile. They still got joy. They can still laugh. Because we know this, that there's a relationship between joy and pain, and somebody that's able to live, especially with some years on their life, maybe a little bit of gray on their, on their head somewhere, we know this, that 
if, if they can stay in authentic joy, it's not because they figured out how to suppress pain, but it's because they've gone to the depth of pain and they've found God in that place. And if they found God in that place, then they know that there's nowhere that they can go where he is not. And God is the source of all life and all joy. And he doesn't do that by overriding our problems. He does it by stepping into them. He says we can bring them the same, this same comfort that God has poured out on us. And just as we experience the abundance of Christ's own sufferings and even more of God's comfort, we will, uh, God's comfort will cascade upon us through our union with Christ. I love that word union. It's like we're so connected with him that we cannot escape him. And that means this, that you have not had a difficult or painful or even traumatic experience where God was not in the middle of it with you. And if he was in the middle of it with you, then what you'll find is that he can bring his comfort into that place. Can't tell you how many times I've sat with people who have been, who have come out of really difficult circumstances, and we'll do this. In fact, I'll do this with all of us as a group activation in a minute. I'll ask them in their imagination, and you need to know this, by the way, about your imagination. Your imagination is a projector screen designed by God for you to experience him. And the enemy's intent is to hijack your imagination and put fear and perversion and all sorts of other things in that place of your imagination so that you will not hear or encounter God in a healthy way. And so I'll sit with them and I'll say, hey, would, would you, you know, say, hey, I've just had some hard stuff going on. I said, okay, well, why don't we just ask God to take us back to that place? And so I'll ask God, and they'll see it in their imagination. And then I'll say, would you ask Jesus, the one who promised to never leave you or forsake you, where he was in that place? And for most people who are willing to go there in faith, what happens, sometimes they see in their imagination, sometimes they feel, sometimes they hear, sometimes they just know we're wired to hear from God with all of our senses. But a lot of times what happens is they'll see Jesus in the place of their pain where that event happened. And then in that place, and I sat with one guy who, who he like, yeah, I know he's there, he had never seen Jesus' face in the place of his pain. So he's like, oh yeah, I get that he was there, but he, he didn't realize that God was actually, that Jesus was focused on him, was connected to him, was, was even grieving with him in his pain. And what I've found is that as we allow Jesus to meet us in the place of our pain, that that pain gets transformed from a, a stronghold and a place that the enemy would attack to a place of victory and strength. It goes on to say, if troubles weigh us down, that just means that we will receive even more comfort to pass on to you for your deliverance. For the comfort pouring into us empowers us to bring comfort to you. And with this comfort upholding you, you can endure victoriously the same suffering that we experience. 
So we have this promise from Jesus in John 16 that we'll experience difficulty, that we'll experience trials. The Christian life, if you haven't figured this out by now, that you signed up for when you gave your life to Jesus was not the promise of a pain-free existence, but it was the promise of one who would never leave you in the midst of your pain, who would walk with you and give you life. And even, he says in that passage in John 16, that he said, you'll have many troubles, but take heart, I've overcome the world. So he created you to be victorious, but your victory does not mean that you get to circumvent pain. It does not mean that life is going to be easy. What it means is that he's going to show you how. He's going to walk with you and empower you how to live victoriously in the middle of pain. I know this as I scan the room. I know what's going on in many of your lives, and I know that for some of you, you're in one of the most difficult seasons of life. It's really hard. For others of you, you're in like the best place. But I, I, I believe this for all of us, that God wants to bring healing to the pain in our lives. So here's what I wanna ask you to do with me. Would you just give me maybe five minutes to go there, and we're just gonna invite Jesus. And here's, here's what I wanna do. I don't want you, quite honestly, don't pick the worst thing that's ever happened to you. I don't want you to walk through that in a room with a couple of hundred people. Uh, you can do that, you alone, with God, or we've got prayer teams that would love to do that with you, but I, I don't wanna put you in that vulnerable kind of place. But maybe you're just like, struggling with a tough week and a, and a bad relationship with your boss. Um, or maybe you're struggling with your kids or maybe it's an estranged kid. What I want you to do is, let's do this. Just ask God, God, would you show me where you want to meet me today? And say, Lord, would you take me there in my imagination? Now, would you just tell God what you're experiencing? Share with them maybe the, the pain of that moment, maybe what it felt like. Even it's okay to tell him that you felt alone, even abandoned by him. It's okay to say that to him. He can handle it. Now, I just want you to ask Jesus. Say, Jesus, where, where were you? Where are you now? 
For many of you, he's probably going to whisper something in your ear. Thank you, Jesus, that you're with us. Thank you, Lord, that you are not surprised by our pain, but that you're familiar with it. Scripture says you suffered in every way. Thank you, Lord, that you love to be with us even in the middle of our pain. Now here's the reality for many of us is that in our place of pain there was a void that was left we just need somebody that would be a a representative of Jesus to meet us in that place of pain. And the point isn't to instantaneously solve your pain because we know this pain is not a problem to be solved, to state, to be entered into, to be present with. but our our ministry team is gonna come forward now and they'd love to pray with you. If you just need somebody to give you a hug. We're gonna need a few extras this morning on the ministry team. Here's my heart for us is not that we would be some people who prayed a prayer, maybe even encountered God in a service or heard a teaching about pain and comfort, but that we would be a people that would receive the comforting heart of God in a way 
that when life gets tough, we could do a little bit better than Job's friends. When life gets tough, we could enter into it with people and we could let them experience the powerful comfort of God. And that we would be a people who live wholeheartedly and that we would experience all that God is. Would you stand and I'm gonna pray. We're gonna worship a little bit and you can come forward and receive prayer if you need to, whether it's in response to what we talked about this morning or maybe uh, you just have a totally different need or maybe you've got pain in your body. Maybe you wanna give your life to Jesus. Maybe you need to say, hey, I haven't actually trusted Jesus with my life and this team would love to pray with you for that. Let me pray for us. Father, we just thank you that you love us, that you're near to us, that you are with us, that you care about us. And Lord, we just say that we wanna be a wholehearted people, people that live full of your love. Lord, we ask that you would use us to be present with people to comfort those who mourn and to rejoice with those who rejoice. In Jesus' name, amen.